Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd. But we're not like them. We're part of a new species that isn't afraid to do things differently. I call us FOMO sapiens. And this is the show where you'll meet people like us, phenomenal FOMO sapiens, to learn how they find the courage and the ideas to live exceptional lives. FOMO. FOMO. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to FOMO Sapiens, the show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. And today, we're going to talk about how you can ask yourself the right questions each and every day to stay connected to what you actually want to be doing and what goals you want to achieve rather than chasing after the wrong things. And in fact, it's all about building a daily practice to do that. And my guest to talk about this is Mark Champagne. Now, Mark is the host of the hit podcast, Behind the Human, and he's the author of a new book called Personal Socrates, which is an exploration of questions that shape the lives of legends and world-class performers. And he profiles people like Kobe Bryant, Maya Angelou, Robin Williams, and thinks about the questions that these people have asked themselves and looks at how these questions can actually change your life. So in the interview with Mark, we get into a couple of really interesting things. So first of all, we start by talking about the fact that Mark actually started an app, an iPhone app that had 88 million downloads, nearly 100 million downloads. And then basically the thing didn't make any money and he hit delete on the app store and completely just got rid of it, which the story behind that kind of blew my mind. Then he takes that, I guess, failure, we could call it, and he pivoted into a new and diversified career that was based on all the things he learned. So we'll be talking about that. And finally, we're going to talk about something that I hope will be very helpful to you, which is how do you ask the right questions in your life in order to make sure you're on the right course or if you need to, to course correct and then take a better path going forward. Now, my small ask for today is an easy one. I hope it's easy. If you like Mark, and if you like me, and I hope you do because you're here, go check out this week's episode of Behind the Human. That's Mark's podcast. I am on the show. We had a really good conversation, and I just want to go check it out and see what he has to say and let me know what you think. And now, on to the interview. Now, as you know, we start out by going deep early, and so I started my conversation with Mark by asking him my very favorite question. What's the most important decision that you've had to make to get to where you are today? Uh, big, big decision to, sh- two, maybe two decisions. One decision to leave a 10-year corporate career that I was on the regular track going really well, changing jobs every two years, following that path, everything was going well, and decided to leave that to start my own business and app, or co-founded, I should say, Um, which sounded like a really great idea, was a good idea in the sense that that's why we're speaking and why I'm doing the work that uh, I'm really lit up 
doing, but it, the, the, it leads to the second and probably the most challenging decision that I've ever had to make, make. And that was shutting down a journaling app in business that had just reached 86.9 million people without any type of paid advertising. Uh, I then hit delete from app store. That sucked. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa. Can I, ha- can you give that to me or somebody listening? Cause I, okay. My, my brain just got a little foggy. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to stop right there. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> my, that's I how just I did felt too. The cross. Just did a sign of the cross because I'm Quebecois Catholic. Um, all right. So let's just stop right there. So let's talk about leaving the treadmill because that's a big part of what FOMO sapiens do. And, you know, I have to think that as you were doing that, you're like, you know, you had the FOMO million things you could do, but it's scary. So like how, what gave you the, you know, what was it that you decided you wanted to do and how did you feel prepared to make that decision? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think it it all, I've thought about this before and in the, in the moment, I remember there was one reflective question that had sparked in my mind and it was, what's the worst that can happen? Because I was in a job at that time that I actually enjoyed great team. We're doing some really good things. Uh, like I said, I was, you know, doing well in the job. So it wasn't one of those scenarios where I was, you know, dreading driving in or going into work. But there was this one thing that felt like I would regret not trying if I, you know, didn't commit a 100% full time. And that one thing was for the, 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 the decade, essentially, since been, being out of university, I had this journaling practice. And I was getting up early in the morning and I would, you know, spend 10, 15 minutes reading positive things, coming across different authors that write about these practices. And I started leveraging them. I started leveraging the questions that they were thinking about, you know, in their, in their hard times. And I would, I would write about, you know, the, the question from the perspective of where I was at, you know, could have been me applying for a new job and, or doing a big presentation or something in front of, you know, for budget for, from the CEO, like leveraging, you know, that, that morning practice, uh, to help with my mind essentially and, and perform. And I was traveling a lot just with the job conferences all around the world and things like that. So I always, always kept the digital version of that practice and just started really growing uh, frustrated with the tools that were available because at that time there was really nothing that would mirror up, let's just say like some sort of a digitally, a digital notebook, but with the guiding prompts that I was picking up in different areas and then copying and pasting them and all this stuff. And at the same time, Headspace and Calm in the meditation world were starting to pick up some mainstream steam. So people are like, we started seeing, okay, well, people are open to being guided digitally. So this could be an interesting uh, avenue to pursue because, again, no one was doing it on the journaling front. So, yeah, I mean, I went, I remember I went to this, this actually in Montreal, uh, I went to this create, uh, creativity conference called C2 Montreal. And I was there for the other job. Uh, and I, you know, I was doing my thing, but I was also meeting with people and pitching this app idea. That's very 10% entrepreneur. I just want to let you know, I like, I'm a fan of that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So then, and my brother-in-law was there with me as well. He was running his own company and he was the one that I had sent an email saying, Hey, here, here are my frustrations in this space. Would you be interested in trying to create something to solve for that? 
I, I had no app experience. Neither did he. He was, you know, in IT management or networks and things like that. But he'd always been an entrepreneur. So that, that you know, to answer a bit of your question, that gave some comfort to me, having never been in that space, that I was linking up with someone I really trusted uh, and continue to trust. Um, but then it was the, the, I guess, the acknowledgement that people were clearly interested in the way we were talking about this idea that started to really foster the, the idea of, okay, well, I know enough from running these big million-dollar brand strategies that you have to be pretty invested in getting the, you know, the, the product out and like a really tight plan and a marketing plan, stuff like that. Or it's just going to be another one of those apps that just launches and like just doesn't go anywhere. There's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands that no one's ever heard of. So I did just that. And I, I, I left after maybe about four to six months of testing and, and doing this stuff in the evenings and weekends and, and whatnot, and got to the point where, okay, well, this is as far as I can go. Uh, with having this other full-time job, joined my brother-in-law as a partner in his existing company. So he had a company running that was doing well, so we could fund a bit of the the development. So that took a bit of financial pressure at the beginning <laughs> off the situation. Um, and we launched, and I, you know, I did my thing. We collaborated with a ton of different people and brands: VaynerMedia, Lego, LinkedIn, Adam Grant as individuals. Kevin Rose was one of them as well. We. You and I were talking about earlier, um, and we we just we had these the questions from these people and brands in the app. So then, when we launched the thing, the the, the product was full of content. It wasn't necessarily all of ours, but we had people that uh, others would respect and 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 resonate with, which started to generate Apple features, and over and over around the world, and eventually got us to a point where we had all these App Store impressions which doesn't mean that we had a successful business model yet mapped out. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. FOMO. Now, you just mentioned Kevin Rose. We talked about that when we taped earlier for the episode that I go on behind the human, which is Mark's show. So everybody got to go listen to that because we get into some very interesting things but you know you just talk about the fact you did the 10% entrepreneur approach which yeah. i mean you did it really well by the way and you, i'm glad you didn't write a book about it cuz then i would have been out of business cuz <laughs> you did all the things that i talk about but you said something i thought was interesting the question you asked yourself was what's the worst that could happen and there's a woman who is a friend of the show named Michelle Poller 
who is, uh, she ha- she's known as Fear Girl, and her Instagram actually has Hello Fears, and she's wonderful. And she always says, what's the best that could happen? Which feels much more entrepreneurial, right? I think, you know, the, the, you feel that feels much more Canadian than American to yeah. say, like, what's the worst or worst is the best? And I'm curious, you know, so how do you answer that question? What was the answer to, in your mind, to what's the worst that could happen when you made that decision? Well, th- this is where I think being naive to what it takes to create these companies and apps and stuff like that comes into uh, as, a, as a positive. Because had I known you know, what actually I was about to run up against and what, what I was in store or what was in store for me probably would have been a, a, a little bit more of a challenging decision. Because for me, the answer to that one was, well, if it doesn't work, I'll just come back to the same industry that I was in. You know, I'm doing well. And at that time, I you know, there was no reason not to do that. Where things got a little bit messy and where I think you know, just going back to your original question, the, the the next massive decision in my life that was probably the hardest one, again, deleting that app. Well, now I, I'm i deleting a, an app and business and let's just say identity for the last three years that from the surface or the outside looks really successful in terms of numbers and brands and media and all that stuff. In in the you know inner workings, we had business model and financial troubles and, and all of that stuff. All, probably all things we could have fixed eventually, but we ran out of cash and we ran out of mental capacity to actually do that. Now, the, the, what also happened is essentially what I could have, it could have predicted on what's the worst that could happen kind of happened because what I was left with at that point was no plan forward because now all of a sudden that backup plan didn't feel right anymore. And the last three years of working in the, in the space of mental fitness and working with, you know, the power for really quality questions that felt a hundred percent right. But I just deleted the medium that was going to keep me in that space. So now what? Right. And that's where things got really challenging until at least, you know, the short story is, you know, that's where I had to rely on the practices and, and, and remember, well, wait a second, I've been able to interview hundreds of people that, are asking a very different set of questions. They're asking progressive questions that, you know, get you out of these situations. And I ended up landing on on my next probably most valuable question is what do I want for my life? And that started a plan. It is a problem that people maybe don't even realize exists that much, but is quite common, which is I've done, I've scaled something to be massive, but it's not making me any money and so like i have all this validation and i can tell people like when you throw the 86 million number out there it's like i I just assume that you were just like minting money yeah of course and so you have all it's kind of like if you ever read read that book um um the lean startup and eric reese talks about vanity metrics and the idea and i thought that was when i read it that book was one of my faves sort of like yeah like you could have tons of users, but if they're not paying for your service and you have no way of monetizing it, then like, how do you sustain that? So you end up in that spot, but you, you and you, you shut it down and then you take what I like about you is you take this thing that you've been doing, which is really the, your daily practice of journaling and observing how people get through life. And then you take it to a new place and you've been able to be really successful using those kind of all the stuff that you built, but taking it in a new area. And so you have a very successful podcast. You've got the book 
that's just out called Personal Socrates, which listeners, when, when I first got on with Mark, I was like, I love your new book, Personal Socrates. And he was very polite to not correct me because he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, but, but terrified at the same time. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, this guy did not study Greek. I, and it's true, actually. But um, but you've you've made this pivot. And so tell us about tell us about what the book is about, what you're trying to achieve and and how you leverage the work you because you, you had to make a decision, right? I mean, this is like and I and I've been in this space. It's like I was like, where am I going? I have yeah. no idea. I've done these things. I know this is good. I know it, I love it, but how do I turn this into something where I can actually be successful? So how did you do that? Yeah, well that's that's where again the questions you know, the question the questions seem to be a theme in my life and but I'm now just starting to really realize how much of a theme and and how they've helped me and and in turn seems like they've helped a lot of other people based on my you know passion and, and study in this space but you know asking that question of, of what do i want for my life which to get to that i had to follow a lot of these mental fitness practices to stop my own narrative because the narrative that was running was how could we fail at such a colossal level? What would our advisors think, our investors think? What would my ex-colleagues think? You know, seeing they were all motivated when I was leaving. Like, wow, you have this great idea. And now essentially I failed, you know, from a financial perspective. Um, to stop that, I had to dive into the present moment and gratitude as much as possible, which was, you know, which were themes that I was picking up in these conversations with, with uh, all these various thinkers that were in the app. Um, to get to that next question and then start asking more questions to, to unpack a plan, which then provided some sort of a vision and motivation. Okay, well, this is what I'm working towards. This is what feels right. Um, and then, you know, let's keep going with the podcast because, you know, I'm learning so much with these people. Um, and then eventually the idea for the book came up because the, there was the, in, in that struggle, the realization was made that, it doesn't matter who we are, where we're at in life. We're all one question away from a completely different life. And, you know, I had been working. Why, I, unpack that for me because I, 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 I heard you say that and yet I don't know what you mean. So, yeah, I don't get yeah. it. Well, I mean, so referencing back to, uh, you know, some questions that I, I think I've, I've talked about in the past, but just am I happy? depending on how you answer that i mean it's either a yes or a no and if it's a no you have you have data now you have insights so now it's up to you if you want to you want to do something with that insight but had you not asked the question you're back on that treadmill and i like that's what i'm realizing that that questions can do they can pause the treadmill so you can think so for me that question was what do i want for my life because before that it was all it, I was slipping into deep depression I could feel it it was not good I was physically sick every morning waking up thinking about how are we going to pay for our, our monthly expenses um, and that question paused that narrative so I can put a plan together so that was that was mine and then they continue to you know they continue to go uh, as, as life evolves as well so so that 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 was the catalyst for you know the app is is no longer here but clearly you know resonated with people sure there are things we had to fix but the idea of the, the the questions in a narrative that people could relate to not just yoga instructors and meditation coaches but people like technologists like kevin rose or you know uh, strategists and hr professionals like claude silver from vayner or uh, executives from lego like 
sharing these practices and these questions from people that I'm like, okay, I get that. Like, I understand that world. I am a strategist. Like, I can I can pick that up. That's why I wanted to, to put together a book that followed that theme so that at any point someone can open it up and there will 100% be either a prompt or person that resonates with them. You know, and whether it's Claude, is, Claude Silver, she's in the book, but then there's, you know, Kobe Bryant or Maya Angelou or Robin Williams. Like there, there are names that anyone would, would recognize that, okay, well, let's see what, what, how they were thinking about this stuff. And the idea is to, again, whatever we can do to leverage these prompts and practices to pause the autopilot and then start thinking. And so how, how, how should you use the book if you're going to, you know, you pick it up first of all, for everybody who's listening. So this book is very beautiful. It is, Thank you. it's produced with this, this outfit out of Brooklyn called Baron and Fig, which is a, if I'm not incorrect, it's a stationary company Yeah. and they, they make all kinds of personalized stationaries and books and it's, you know, really cool. Like it's very Brooklyn, right? So like it's, I assume it's made with like cruelty-free recycled everything and it probably buy a notebook, plant a tree. Right. I'm sure like they, they exactly. And they, and then, you know, it's like hand dyed by somebody living in deep Brooklyn and but it's gorgeous. <laughs> and so, so, so you buy the book, <laughs> sorry, Brooklyn. And uh, what, how do you use it? What's the, what's yeah, the way I to mean, get the most out of it? However, I mean, uh, whatever works for you, I mean, is, is, is the, the most important part so that, you know, you actually stick to it and, and, and do it. But my suggestion, and I think the best way, or at least the way it's intended to be used is, is to read the introduction in one sitting to get an idea of what this is all about. I talk a little bit about the Socratic method and modernizing it so that we don't even think about a Socratic method, that we're just doing that naturally. Um, because then you'll actually do it. Um, but then after that, is to open up the table of contents and start, you know, put run your finger down the page and see where it stops in terms of a prompt or person. And because wherever you stop is probably where you need to go right now, because your life is different than my life and, and your life. So as you go through the book, it'll evolve with as your life evolves, right? We'll all start in different areas. There might be questions that are deeper for others that people are really people that really need that now. Or there might be something like something from Scott Belsky who, who left a prompt like, why am I building this? Maybe you're starting a new company. Maybe you're building a new product. Well, there's some stuff in there that'll resonate that will then lead to something else, for example. FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages, but I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. So... I, I'm going to make a dumb comment, but it's my show. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about the fact that personal Socrates 
was because you were asking questions because I, I didn't go to law school, but I remember Socratic method is basically a way of teaching people where you ask them questions and you force them to reflect and then they work out the reasoning for something. And obviously when you don't just read it, but you figure it out yourself, the retention's higher, the insights yeah. are better. So that is the point here is that you are giving people questions that have been formulated by people who are great thinkers and great doers and great entrepreneurs and other things like that in order to then in their own lives be able to come up with their own viewpoint and ideas and answer those questions for themselves. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the idea is that the backbone of the book is based on a, on a, on a method, the Socratic method that literally has been around for thousands of years, but you know, none of us, most of us just know, oh yeah, I've heard of Socrates and that's where I was at. Like I, I didn't know anything else uh, on, on within those lines let's say until actually researching and seeing okay whole there's a whole method and, and and set of question types that are that he's used in his in like an academic setting way way back in history um but that's not practical in today's world so i i i modernized it and brought it down to three sections which are the three sections of the book and and just questions to help seek clarity live more intentionally and think more intentionally and then if you're doing those two th- two first steps then automatically the third one comes about and that's expanding what's possible because now you can see the right path forward but it's hard to do that if your mind is fogged and floating around with relationships that no longer serve you or all these decisions and and fears and anxieties so first we need to get clear on where we want to go then we can start living a little bit more intentionally apply these practices and then a whole other world opens up so that's where it came from um and it's, you know, the idea is that, you know, we can all have our own kind of personal Socrates available to us based on where we are in our lives right now. And that was the idea of the app. It's not it's not a one size fits all situation. We're all different, but there's always a prompt and, and story behind that prompt that can help someone out based on where they're at in their life. Now, writing a book and doing the kinds of things you're doing and making new things, it's, it's not easy. And even if you know what you want to do, yeah. you're focused a lot of distractions out there. And as somebody who focuses on mental fitness, I'd love to know, like, how do you carve out the time to be creative and to have original thoughts and ideas? Where, where, where do you find that time? That's a good point. I mean, for, for me, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm a morning person. So like I said, the, the practice of journaling, I've always done early in the morning for that whole time in the corporate world. And for writing the book, I mean, as I was transitioning out of running my own business, I had to pick up freelance kind of strategy jobs, like anything to really pay the bills. So the the regular working day was not really available to me to, to be writing. Um, so I would write, I would get up. First thing I do, uh, usually I get up at 530. Uh, first thing I do is some mental fitness and some exercise always changes but there's always an hour there of just like starting the day feeling like I've won something right like I've conquered that and that feels right to me and then I would write I would write usually from seven to nine ish let's say um every morning or 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 Monday to Friday some days didn't feel like writing so I'd outline something or I'd do research but I would do something related to the book to just keep inching it forward and again, this is where I, I had to use Baron Fick products. I mean, they had these little cue cards that I would write down. Like, you are writing, it's not about quality, you're writing quantity right now, which, you know, my editor always reminded me of for the first draft, right? <laughs> you can resonate with this stuff. Um, 
but I needed those reminders because like this was the first go for me. I mean, the last thing I want to do is send something that feels like it's not high quality and someone else is going to read that. That that was terrifying to me. Um, but so anyway, I just set reminders. And again, these are these are coming from. I mean, I remember Apollo Ono, who's a Winter Olympian in the U.S. I think he's the most decorated, and also I think was on Dancing with the Stars. If you're I'm right. Correct. I don't. You're right. I don't watch it, but I remember. I remember. That. Sure, you don't watch it. No, she's kidding. But yeah, I know. I really don't. I swear to God. <laughs> but yeah, he was on that, and I remember him sharing his. I, he's in the book as well, and I, I call it his Olympic level reminder system, which just has post-its in his, you know, in his closet, reminding him of why he's doing certain things. And again, it's just if we don't do these things, I love your terminology of being on the treadmill. We're just constantly on the treadmill or on autopilot. So we need these reminders. And I needed that too, just to write the book and continue forward and, and, and be motivated. Right. Um, so yeah, eventually, I mean, eventually you end up with 63,000 words later and, um, we've got a book out. So <laughs> you know, I always say a book is just 61,000 word blog posts. So if you can think about it that way, yeah. And it's funny because we just, on the episode that you'll hear on Behind the Human, I just decried. I was like, I don't believe in morning routines and I don't think you have to write in the morning. And here you are doing exactly the stuff that I said I would never do. So we're, listen, everybody has their own path to heaven. Well, that's what I'm going to say, but that works for you, right? Like for me, yes. it, it wouldn't, there were mornings where I remember, you know, I'm, I probably went to bed later than I normally would have. So then I, I woke up feeling tired. And I remember uh, having this internal negotiation with myself, which I write about in Kobe Bryant's profile because he talks about this, lying in bed saying, okay, I need a little extra sleep. I'm tired. I'll write it. I'll write at 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And then I would get up. The life happens. And for me, it never happened. Something else would come up and I didn't have that discipline to actually do the writing. So I had to rely on the morning to, to make it work. Yeah, I agree. For some of those things like training for a marathon, if you don't do it for, it's not going to happen. So I hear you sometimes, but generally I avoid morning activities. <laughs> now, Mark, you are a FOMO sapiens. You have chosen your own path and you've been successful at it, but you are still human. Yeah. And so I do want to you know, acknowledge the fact that I'm sure there's things out there that you feel like you're missing out on or that you worry that, you know, you you just feel like you want to do but can't do. So I just wonder how you think about managing those feelings about, you know, all of the things. There's only 24 hours a day. How you think about staying focused when there's so many other things you could be distracted by. Well, you hit me at the right time because, I mean, obviously, you know, with this book, there's just a million different things that, you know, people have given advice about and things I've read on, like, you need to be doing this, this and that to make sure people actually read it. And, um that becomes overwhelming really fast. And what, you know, what I learned uh, early on with, with the whole Keo experience in the app was just, again, like not to follow, fall for your own hype. I mean, we had all this hype and didn't mean that the app, you know, obviously we, we know the end story there. So for me right now, I'm doing everything possible again to follow and, and practice what I preach and to go into this launch of this book with the clearest mind possible so that, you know, when we're having conversations like this, like, I hope you can tell, like, I, it's, the book is, is the product, but like, this is the stuff that lights me up. And I, I really, truly want people to have access to this stuff. So as it, as it gets out there and as people read it or hear about it, 
then I want to be clear enough to see, you know, this is the path. I need to go down this route or this this could be a really good opportunity, whether it's, you know, working directly with a team or doing some speaking on, on a certain topic or whatever it is. But going in clear and being focused on a couple key areas for this book and not getting pulled around by, okay, I need to try this or I need to pitch magazines or I need to, like, there's a million different things. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to stay really focused and I check in with myself, uh, every few days, still pen to paper. And I answer one question, what am I hearing right now? What feels right? And, you know, try to tap into that intuition. Um, cause the data is all there, but if again, it can be clear enough, I can see the sign forward, uh, and not get lost in all the noise. All right. The book is personal Socrates. You can find more about Mark Champagne's work at Behind the Human on Instagram and, of course, at BehindTheHuman.com. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. FOMO. Big news. We now have a brand new website. So head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. Also, head over to Spotify where you can find and follow playlists of the best of the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you, so don't be shy. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrom. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO. FOMO.